what was the first domino? I've heard other deconstructors talk about it like a sweater, like pulling one string and then the entire sweater falls apart. (laughs) For me, I kind of see it as more of a domino because it felt like (laughs) more of a push than a pull, if that makes sense. Pulling a string is like you're the one doing the pulling. I actually felt like I was pushed into this. Like I didn't feel like I chose to deconstruct, which of course is not true. Like I, you know, I I chose this because I continued to look deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. And oh Lord, all the evangelicals right now are like, see sister, this is why we tell you to guard your heart and your mind because you'll be deceived by the devil. And you know what? There's something to be said about that. But maybe I wanted to be deceived by the devil, quote unquote, because I wanted to look inside the looking glass. Like I wanted to look in that looking glass. And um, I think the first domino for me was, and I don't know if Brad would like this, but was actually Bradley Jersak. And it's this book, Her Gates Will Never Be Shut. Um, that was the first thing that really started the entire process for me because I was such an evangelist and the idea that all of these people are going to burn in hell for all of eternity is what got me up every single day. It's what got me moving, man. Is this book uh, about hell? Yes, this is a book all about hell. And um, so really, I want to say hell is not necessarily the first domino in and of itself. I kind of hell was probably like the fourth, like as the the inertia started moving, I got to hell eventually I was just kind of tiptoeing through this stuff, like very carefully looking into it with absolutely no intention of deconstructing. Just honestly, I've always been a researcher. I just wanted to hear what people had to say. I was doing a bunch of research on YouTube about this deconstruction community. I actually got involved with the deconstruction world many years ago, long before it became like a trend to look out for. Like there, if you type in deconstruction on Christian deconstruction on YouTube, the majority of the videos are actually people who are Christians who are warning about this evil deconstruction movement. (laughs) Um, So anyways, about 10 years ago or more now, I, I came across two people because I was actually looking into how I could argue for a loophole for the LGBT community, me being a part of it myself, was looking for answers, was looking for, I I wanted to be able to have an argument that could not be denied by the Christian church while still remaining a Christian. So many, many years ago, I began this search to be able to argue the case for me and my community at the time is what I was really focused on probably about 10 10 or more years ago. 
Um, this was before my parents went into ministry or anything like that. And of course, I hid my sexuality for many years and my gender and all this stuff. But anyways, David Hayward, the naked pastor is what he goes by online. And he's a pat he well, he used to be a pastor. One could argue he's still a pastor of sorts because of the work that he does today. Um, he is an artist. He creates these they're kind of like comics. Um, and he he's not gay. He's he's married to a woman. So he took it upon himself. He saw a need. He saw a hole in the garment of society and was like, I'm going to fill this need. That's why I say I feel like he's still a pastor and still has a pastor's heart, even though he no longer identifies that as that, even though he calls himself the naked pastor. But anyways, um, so I found him and I don't know who I found first. I don't know if it was the naked pastor or if I found Phil Drysdale first. I want to talk about Phil Drysdale because Phil Drysdale to me is, if not the, and I love naked pastor, right? Is I feel like Phil Drysdale though, to me is one of the, if not the main pioneers of the modern deconstruction movement, the Christian deconstruction movement to be specific, you know, cause I've watched all sorts of testimonies. I've watched people coming out of Jehovah's witness. I've watched people coming out of Mormonism. Anyways, <laughs> I'm not trying to like trauma dump all over you. I know you're a therapist, but still <laughs> I know it's your job to listen to me, but I still don't want to trauma dump or just like talk a freaking mile a minute at you either. <laughs> Thank you for the consideration, Miss Gordon, but I am here to help you deconstruct <laughs> your deconstruction. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so why was I saying all this? We're talking about the book, but I had to say those other prefaces to get to this point because this is not my first rodeo with deconstruction. That's why... I consider my the feeling for me of my own deconstruction. I feel like it was more of a push than a pull. Like I said, people talk about and I've heard many say this. I heard Rhett and Link use this example. I've I've heard multiple people use this example on deconstruction videos that I've watched as well, where it's like they pulled that one thread and then the whole sweater came apart. I feel for me like it was a domino effect. Again, I'll reiterate. I feel like I was pushed. And what I mean by that is many years ago. It's almost like I was drawn, maybe is more. It's like somebody was like kind of saying like, ps, ps, Missy, come here, come here. You are literally struggling every day with you literally are not able to live. Oh, shit. All right, guys. Sorry. I know this breaks the fourth wall or whatever. I had to check my camera. So I'm back. Specifically, I remember there was this documentary that I watched many years ago, ago called For the Bible Tells Me So. Um, and that's when I started to search for an argument. And I really do mean it like that, like a lawyer. Like I was thinking to myself, if I can just construct the perfect argument, I can... I almost looked at it as like I could start a movement and I'm not saying in like a culty way or anything like that. I just mean like to be a voice for me and my community because literally every single day I was like, I was 
trying to live my life for Jesus, I literally looked at my life like I loved that scripture that said that we are living epistles. Like our life lived is like a an example of God. Like I took my life so seriously. It's like I would walk around and feel like I was in a movie. Like I I felt like I came to earth to be a voice to this generation. And I know I mentioned this on our last session. That could just be because I was brainwashed with all of that charismatic mumbo jumbo about voice of this generation, all the, you know, a choir of the fire and battle cry events that I went to as well. You know, the big stadium events that rile all these kids up and are like, you are a voice to this generation. It's like, of course you're going to be fucking brainwashed. Excuse me, French. <laughs> Can I swear in our sessions? You're welcome to express in any way that you feel you need to, Miss Gordon. Thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. I've held in a lot of swears through the years. <laughs> so anyway, back to Phil Drysdale, though. Like, at the time, I came across Phil Drysdale, I think, second, because I was searching specifically for, like I said, my perfect argument to be able to prove why me and my community should not burn in hell. But in fact, we were we were wonderful people that were just trying to love Jesus and just doing the best we could and just, just wanting to, like, we were just like any other Christian. Like, we love Jesus, if not more, was, tr- was the argument argument I was trying to make because we we were able to like empathize with what it felt like to be truly like truly persecuted like evangelicals talk about being persecuted for the sake of Christ like and I'm not I'm really not trying to be dramatic but I truly felt like I was persecuted though like by the church I'm saying for my sexuality like I was I lived in torment every single day even when I like I I was engaged to a man so like I I did everything I could to like be straight and everything um and you know I identified as a lesbian for about 12 straight years and then actually and we'll talk about this in another session I don't want (laughs) to I don't want to overwhelm the therapist you know what I'm saying lord you can talk about anything you feel you need to talk about, Miss Gordon. Thank you. But I, I, I guess I now just like identify as queer, you know, like I just I, I believe in love. Whoever you love, you love. And that's it. Um, so I don't identify as as a lesbian. I don't identify as the L anymore in LGBTQ. I A plus got to get everybody in there. Since I was 12 and I kissed my friend who was a girl, I just felt dirty. Like, I just felt like I was a dirty, bad, disgusting, truly evil person. And I would just pray these prayers every single day. Please cleanse me, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord. Cleanse me of this homosexual attraction. And 
anyways, so I made it my mission and my duty. Like I couldn't stand to live that way anymore. So I was like, I'm going to come up with the perfect argument because my father's a Gemini. Like you cannot out argue my father. So I had to come up with like the perfect argument that even the jury of juries would be like, well, she has a case. So I spent like many, many years trying to figure out how do I argue this? Not just for me, but for my community. Because I'm like, if I can come up with the perfect argument, I can free us all. So this became an obsession for me. So again, I found David Hayward. I found the, the naked pastor. And um, through, through that channel, this was years ago. This was long before the deconstruction movement was even a freaking thing, really. Phil Drysdale, I began to follow him. And, and I was so captivated by the things he was saying it was like it it like washed over me like a like a, a blanket of hope and satisfaction to these hidden like desires that I held like you know where or the hidden um arguments that and I felt so guilty looking at these things like I literally thought it, it, you would have thought this was pornography that I was hiding under my bed as like a 14 year old boy from my parents like I was I had them on my Facebook page and I remember years later when I was in ministry this was years later I took them off my Facebook because I was like I've got to cleanse myself of all of these temptations Phil Drysdale uh, I looked at you as a temptation. Just know that. <laughs> oh my god. Everything okay, Miss Gordon? Yeah, I just needed a sip of water, honestly. This is a lot for me to think about. Take your time. I guess I was just saying all that, honestly, because I just wanted you to know that my deconstruction that started in 2021 was actually something that started back in like, uh, I don't even know how long ago, honestly. I almost want to say, I have to think about this. I want to say like 2009, maybe, because I actually became an atheist briefly um, around that time. And that's when I was first like coming out of the closet so, you know, this dates back, back, back. This is something that I had just like deeply suppressed because I felt like I had backslidden, you know. Um, that's what Christians say when you uh, are honest with yourself. <laughs> many, many years later, I think what happened was I started to become it's like I became restless. Like even though I had this ministry that was becoming successful, like it was just getting started. I had like 6,500 people or something on my YouTube channel. I had weekly and monthly supporters. I had a, a merch line that I was working on that was becoming successful. Um, I had, you know, just as like a side income, um, I was being fully supported. There didn't seem to be anything wrong. Like, in fact, I felt like the most on fire for Jesus that I ever felt in my entire life. Like, I felt like I was finally the person that I was born to be. Like, I was a minister and I had my own ministry and I was 
like I was even reaching out to other ministers that were like more well known and like they were responding to me and I felt like I felt like I was going to really become and this is probably like inappropriate to say but I thought I was going to become famous you know in the church world of course um because I was I felt this like almost wind under my like this wind come under my sails and I felt like I felt like God well now I refer to God as the divine I felt like the divine was going to like I I just thought that I was going to be standing on those stadiums that I always pictured myself standing on and speaking to thousands and thousands of people and so for me I was like I am in the right place at the right time doing the right thing I'm growing I'm changing lives like I would spend hours and hours a day responding to people's emails like and I felt like I was truly making a difference and I was having all of these dreams and visions and I would send people these like private videos just for free. Like this had nothing to do with money. I was not consulting. I was not charging for this. Um, I was just taking a bunch of time and like people were telling me that the prophecies I was giving them were coming to pass and um, it was just, it felt amazing. It felt like I was doing God's work. And so that's why it was just so bizarre when one day, literally out of the blue, a voice, an audible voice spoke to me and said, told me to leave prophetic ministry. And it scared me to my core. Like I thought it was a demon speaking to me, but it wasn't like, I knew it was God, you know, God, what I considered God at the time. What do you think it was, Miss Gordon? I mean, I kind of feel at at this leg of my journey like it was an angel because I do still believe in angels. I believe in the archangels especially, and I believe I was told to leave prophetic ministry because I had another purpose. Hell was the tip, the true tipping point. Um, I first found this book, and it's by Brad Jersak, Bradley Jersak. I actually found Brad through John Steingard, John Go- <laughs> John Steingard's podcast. Um, who was a member of Hawk Nelson, which is a very popular Christian band. Um, He deconstructed publicly. And he had this podcast for a while during my deconstruction in 2021. And I ate up those episodes like they were a freaking, like they were my last supper or something. Like I I felt like it was, I felt like, and that's probably a bad analogy, (laughs) Or or not, because I did feel like it was very edgy for me to be listening to that, okay? So maybe it was my last freaking supper, but I felt like as I was... Yeah, and what I was going to say, though, is that John John Steingart, he deleted all of his videos, all his podcasts. I don't know what happened there. He's been on interviews, and I've tried to find him, but, you know, and I don't know if this is true, but the Christian Mafia might have gotten him. But I don't, I don't know. He's never commented on that to my knowledge. I don't know why he, it was such a good podcast. I was like, this is going to be one of the top podcasts. Like this is going to be like as big as the liturgist podcast, which is Michael Gunger. Um, But anyway, so I found he, John, who was the Hawk Nelson singer, interviewed Brad Jurisak on his podcast and they were talking about deconstructing hell. 
So I found Brad through John. And when I heard Brad speaking, I was like, my eyes. I was like, you are my father. <laughs> and it's not just because I have daddy issues. <laughs> I literally looked at him and was like, I felt like I knew him in a weird way. I don't know why. I just felt like an instant connection to Brad, like as he was speaking. Um, and so I started obsessively because this is what I do. I'm a freaking Virgo. I don't know what to, <laughs> I'll to tell you. I started a really, really researching Brad and I watched every possible video that I could find on Brad Jersak. Um, specifically on hell. Hell was the first, you know, it was one of the first dominoes. The true first domino is was my sexuality and gender many, many years before. And I think that there was just like a domino that was like hanging in between time and space for like 10 years and it the wind blew just right. And it's like it hit that domino. And I think that that's how my deconstruction really happened this time. It's like there was there were so many other things that I had just suppressed so badly for so many years. And like I said, I feel like the wind blew just right. And I'm using wind on purpose because Christians use wind as a, a euphemism for the Holy Spirit. I do believe the Holy Spirit did this to me because I prayed every single day, God, show me who you are. God, show me who you really are, the real you, not this you that the modern Christian church talks about with their stupid Jesus fish bumper stickers. Show me who you really are, the true God. And I believe that that true God showed me. I believe my prayer was answered by my deconstruction. So this book, Her Gates Will Never Be Shut, Hope, Hell, and the New Jerusalem, it's, it's a book that really helped me think about hell. Um, and I, I kind of like went on this deep dive, listened to every Brad Jersak video I could find, and then I realized, oh my God. He's friends, like close friends with William Paul Young. William Paul Young is the writer of The Shack, which is a very, very popular, I'm sure you know about it, a very popular Christian book that became a movie. I just couldn't believe it. It was like this weird serendipitous thing. And, and you know, I, I, won't, I won't go deeply into William Paul Young like on, on this session, but... It's like things started to weirdly connect for me. And I literally spent hours and hours and hours and hours a day. This was after I left ministry. And I just devoured all of this content, like bad audio quality people, like filming them at these like small events and stuff. Like I, and then later, like a year after I first found Brad, I was even part of their one of their conferences online it was called open table um and so anyways like I got really involved with what they were doing and um 
I just started studying hell, studying hell, studying hell. And it became an obsession for me. Well, Miss Gordon, that's our time. It was great talking to you today, and um, I hope you have a great rest of your week. All right, my friends, it's been Missy Gordon, the Metamystic here. It's great to have you on another one of my therapy sessions. I love you guys. I'm so happy to have you here. Um, I feel like this is just the tip of the iceberg. So we will have more episodes on these things. And um, thank you for being here. If these episodes are helpful to you and you'd like to support the channel, you can, of course, buy merch. I have these shirts as well. You can also support the channel by donating. Links are down in the description. I'd also love to hear from you. So you can send me an email. My email is listed down in the description. I'd also love to read your comments. If you have any thoughts, any opinions, even, even if you disagree with me, you know, whatever. Leave, leave your comments because I'm... This is an open space. You know, of course, we don't want any, like, blatant disrespect against anyone. But I'm just saying, like, this is an open space. This is a safe space. You know? As snowflake of me of that, as that is to say, this is an open, uh, safe space for everybody. Um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, your opinions, and your stories. So you can either email me if you want it to be more private or you can leave a public comment so that everybody can, you know, be blessed by what you have to say. So thank you, everybody. It's been Missy Gordon here, and I will see you next time. Bye.